Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. In our 10-part series entitled, Because Jesus is Lord, we're exploring the practical ways in which the Lordship of Jesus impacts our everyday lives. We hope you enjoy, and you can check out more at churchinthecity.us. Good morning, church. Am I coming through good? So after me, hope. Oh, that was really bad. Hope. Hope. Faith. Faith. Endurance. Endurance. And we normally get all hung up on the endurance side, but actually endurance is the easy part. The hard part is grabbing hold of hope. And we're going to touch on some of that today. And we're continuing the series because Jesus is Lord. And we had Mark sharing last week on obedience. This week I'm sharing on faithful with little, entrusted with much. And we... You know, when we look at Scripture, we get this tension in Scripture. We look at this and say, faithful little, but entrusted much. What what is it? And I was just reminded, when we look at uh, Proverbs, it says, we're supposed to plan plan our way, but then it says God leads our steps. So what is it? Does it God lead our steps, or do we plan our way? Well, it's that tension that we have to live with. God, we have to make some plans and go after God, but somehow God plans our steps. And it's an interesting thing. And so when preparing this preach, when I first got it, I was all excited. And then I went through quite a tough period leading up to this preach. And like, so what I'm going through, we need a lot of grace for this. And we realize we're going to go through journeys. We want to stop and we start. We need to reevaluate. And the thing is just to keep on going, you know, and that's the key. And so hopefully as we go through this, uh, we'll catch that heart of grace in this. But the two exhortations I was preparing was kind of one is if you kind of got a bit stuck in your call and what am I meant to be doing next? You kind of got a bit waylaid a bit. The other one was, okay, I'm doing okay, but how do I go to that next thing? How do I do that next thing in God? So with that, let's just pray. Father, we just invite your presence today. We just thank you for you to come and to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, that this is a safe place. We thank you, Father, that you are a Father of grace, and you're the one that gives us hope. You give us faith, and you give us the strength to endure. And we just ask you just to be with us this morning, to open our hearts, because this is a message for me, for everyone, and just, yeah, just to stir us to go after your kingdom. Amen. We're also going to try some new technology today, so hopefully it works. Puts me in control. Huh? But keep your eyes open. When I shared this preach a bit with Christian last night, Christian said, I have a picture for you. So somewhere in the slide, there's a picture of Christian. So you've got to keep your, keep your eyes open for that. So Steve, I know a couple of weeks ago, was talking a bit about the big, the, you know, we talk about this big commission that we have. You know, we're entrusted with much. And we look at uh, Genesis 1 to 4, and Steve spent a bit of time there, so I'm not going to spend a lot. But it says there in Genesis 1 to 4 with Adam and Eve, we see man commissioned to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill all the earth, called to subdue and to govern. And those have not gone away. Those are those, that mandate has stayed. When Jesus came back, he reaffirmed that mandate when he died on the cross, gave it back to the church. And then he added some to it. He said, then Jesus, you see in um, Matthew there, he commissioned us to disciple all nations and also to preach and heal the sick. Well, it all sounds great. 
I mean, that's really big. But who can join me at times? You, like you want to do more, but somehow you can't. Can anybody relate to that? Like, yeah, I want to change the world. And like, but what's the next step? Or I, I just can't get there. Well, the good news is I don't really have the answer on that. We're going to have to ask Steve on that one. But, but what it is, there's some keys that we can go after. Because it's this tension. It's like when you think of Joseph, um, he was stuck you know, in the jail. But yet one day he came into incredible breakthrough where he touched a nation. And so that's the tension we've got to live with. So we have good company. You know, we look at Hebrews 11. You know, Joseph, David, Daniel. I mean, there, there was uh, David, these incredible prophecies over his life. And then he's running around in the desert all that time thinking, God, where are you? Where's this amazing call in my life? But yet his faithfulness prepared him for that coming into that kingship. So let's go and... Um, Oh, I forgot. I actually need to bring up the slides, yes. So what I did, I took a, a section of this, the Sermon on the Talents out of Matthew 25, 13, and 20. But I've just pulled a piece out of there. So let me read that. Yep, it is up there. It says, The one who'd received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, you were faithful with a few things. And I won't put you in charge of many things. And the one also who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. So there's a couple of learnings from here. We see that when we're faithful in the small, it allows us to come in to increase. It's those small things of faithfulness, and sometimes we don't want to hear that, but that's, it's what the Word said. He was faithful with two, and Jesus has said, well done, you now get um, other one. And then you see the, um, the other person held on. And it gives us a picture of two things. One is the person's identity and how he viewed himself in God, his image before God. But I don't want to spend a lot of time on that one. But also what really stood out to me with that person who held on, it shows someone who has lost hope, has lost a bit of vision. And what happens? You, you, you just, you kind of hold on to it. And so we're going to kind of look at these themes then a bit of hope and then um, and the small pieces. So, come on. Who here, when you say, what is hope and faith? I, I need to get my mind around that at times, like hope, faith, you know, what is it? Who struggled that a bit? You know, what is this hope and faith thing? Even after me doing the notes, I'm still like, have I got the right thing here? What is interesting, if you look at the picture back there, I was reminded of the story of Joshua. When Jesus said, not Jesus, when God said to him, take the promise, time to take the promised land, time to come into the land of milk and honey. You know, Moses is dead. Time for you to take leadership and move on. That's again, faithful in the small things. One day he wakes up and God says, Moses is dead, it's now your turn. 
And like, if you haven't cultivated that faithfulness in the small things, you're going to be overwhelmed if God says that to you one day. Hey, it's your turn. David, your turn to move on. Going to plant a church. But if David hadn't been faithful in the small things here and leading and being faithful, he could have been overwhelmed in that part. And God allowed it to open up. So when we look at hope, as you can see, that's a raging river. During that season, that's when the Jordan floods. It's not a pretty sight if God tells you to cross the river. But the only way you're going to... With Joshua, he had hope and vision and believed the word God said. He said, that's the land that you promised and for you to go into. So the only thing Moses... He said, now cross... The only thing Moses could do is the, what I call the so hope is seeing the promise of God. It's seeing the vision. You don't have to see all of it. Like as David said, he saw this much. He didn't realize it's going to be that much. And that's how God fools us sometimes. He says, well, you're going to go do this, and you don't realize it can grow into that. Because if you saw that, it might scare you. He just gives you enough to stretch your faith to go out there. And so that is hope, is seeing God's word, believing it, catching the vision, But then faith is when those priests had to literally go and put their foot in that raging river. And then as they took those steps, the river started to go back. It didn't before they put their foot and suddenly go back. It says as they stepped in the river, it opened up. And so you see this tension between hope and faith. So they had hope. So now I'm going to take my step of courage, put my foot in the water, and then I start seeing the water opening. What? I start getting excited. Like, maybe this is God's thing, but I had to put my foot in the water. And as I step, it parts more, and then we start to party. (laughs) Because it's awesome. You're going in the middle of the river, like David, and suddenly he has 70 people in his house. But I know when he moved there, you arrive and you're like, well, what do you say? I know I'm meant to be here. The vision was clear. The hope was clear. But in those first few months, like you can't even find what store do I go to? Where do I shop? Where do I do this? Where do I get my kids in school? But he's stuck with the vision. He said, I know this is where I'm meant to be. And then the words come through. Then it's like, the time is now. And that's the thing, where we take the courage and now they're starting to come into the party of it. I know it's a lot of hard work having them be in my house, but they're starting to see the fruit of it. The third piece that we see in here is that the priests were carrying what? When they went into that river. They were carrying the ark of God's presence. And the same of us. We don't want to have hope and vision and courage in something that is not God or something that we're doing in our own strength. Because something that's not built of God doesn't last. We want to build something that God is breathing upon and that we want to go in His presence and God, I need you to be with me. So when I take those steps, I know it's you taking those steps with me. I'm not going out there alone. Because when God does it, the miraculous can happen. And that's who we want to go with. Always have a sense of, of God with us. Okay. Now, this might look really interesting. When I was preparing, I had two pictures. I had a picture of a well, and I had a picture of a spring. I'm like, what 
on earth has this got to do with this topic? And I was like, do I just leave this out? And then I, as I kind of pondered, there's like two sections to preach. One is kind of the heart issues. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but there's these heart issues that God, I felt, wants us to cultivate. And then we're going to get into some other call issues. But when you look at a well, a well is pretty contained. It's a hole in the ground. It's there for a long time. It's very easy to contaminate. You put a couple of drops in there, it doesn't dissipate because you, you've got a well. And you've got to look into it to see if it's actually a functioning well. There might not be water down there or might be dirty water down there. You just don't know. And you draw a bucket out of it. And it's kind of like focus on some of those inward things. Then the second piece is, well, what's a spring? Well, spring really has no defined, that's not Christian. Um, um, a spring has no defined shape, but what is happening? Something's fresh, it's bubbling up every day. It's hard, if you put some, something in there to contaminate, it might be contaminated for an hour, but what happened? The fresh water is coming, and it's washing it away. It's, um, and when you're around a, a spring, you've got to watch where you stand, because you step in the sloppy water where, well, you don't have to worry about standing in water. Where a spring, it just, you know, it's gushing everywhere. And this, you can maybe try and think, I'll show you later. This is a spring to something significant. We'll see if you can guess. So as you look at this slide, the key here is not to say, well, am I a spring or am I a well? You know? What it is, is daily we've got to make decisions to be, am I being a spring or am I being a well? We don't ever get away from this. You know, it's not that easy, you know, like, when I look at some of the things of um, kind of a well, it's like, well, I'm not being recognized. No one's recognizing my gifts. Offense, easier to hold on to. You know, like a spring, you put some stuff in, it sticks, it, there's not a flow to get rid of the contamination. Watering, it's like, come get my water. You know, I'm a well, come get my water. Um, kind of a sense, you know, wells look nice, you know, like sense that um, you've made it. You don't really need that much more input. Pride, Woo-hoo, look how I look. Yeah, going back to that previous picture of the well, it looks, it looks fancy. Spring is a different thought. It just keeps on giving. It doesn't wait for someone to do something. It just it has a heart of giving. You know what? Even if nobody wants it, I'm going to give. Um, then also offense. It doesn't mean you don't get offended, but you let that fresh water of grace wash over it, and then that offense doesn't stick as much. Because you always have a chance to be offended, and then, you, then it depends what you do with that next reaction. But we all have those little moments like, what's he mean or whatever. But it's, are, we, are we holding on to it? Are we like, you know what, God? I, I'm not going to hold on to that. It's most probably not true anyway, so why do I want to sit and think about it? Why do you want to think the worst of people when a person might have a bad day or just how we read it? For me, this is a tough one because I have a bit of a prophetic inclination. And so sometimes I can see what somebody's really meaning. But we all have days where we kind of belch on people a bit. You know what I mean? You know, where our stuff kind of comes out. Unfortunately, I can sometimes see the real meaning. 
Or I get a dream about it sometimes, about what the situation is. Does it mean that person's bad? No, we're all working through things. There's things I've said, people are like, oof, you know? But are we willing to let go of that? Let, let the water flow, because we're all part of a family. Family can rub each other the wrong way sometimes, but the question is, are we willing to let it go? Because I want to be a spring. You're giving water freely, always learning, always changing. I remember there was one thing I held on so tightly, I believe this. In a moment, I let it go when I heard something. I'm like, you know what? I didn't know the answer, but I realized I had been wrong. I need to reevaluate this truth. I didn't have the answer, but I knew I had not seen it. But are we willing to let go of our pet things so we can come into more? Because sometimes some people have a bit more revelation in some areas which can unlock us to come into new things in God. But we want to hold on to our stuff so tight. Um, And just awareness of God's grace. You know, we can't do this by ourselves. We need God's grace in every situation. So what does this really mean? Who knows what river that is? Hmm? Colorado. Who knows what spring that was? It was the source of that river. And I've been towards that, where that Colorado spring starts. And it's just really an insignificant piece of water. But you know what's key? A well can never, never turn into a river. But a spring has the opportunity to turn into a river. A river, that spring can turn into a small river, which can grow into a bigger river, which then can transform landscapes, which can cross nations. And that's the suddenness of God. But unless we have the heart of a spring, we can never come into this or if the person does if we do become a well and become something big i can tell you what there's going to be some it's all about building in our own strength and we've seen things built in people's strength it might be a huge tower but we don't want to touch it you know there's just that about it we want something that's just free full of god's grace we want god behind it we want god opening the doors and we want people we want to be people who don't carry offense who just you know, we just, there's this thankfulness in us. Boy, and I tell you what, I'm preaching to myself. You know, because I've been going through, um, just lately, just um, last couple of months, just like, God, what is it you want me to do? Where do you want me to press in more? What are those things? And those are like hard questions. And sometimes you kind of rub yourself in the wrong ways. You're trying to work through this stuff. But, you know, in the day, we want to be faithful in the hard attitudes, in the day-to-day be a blessing. So let's go into part two. And this is really looking at some of the call that's upon our lives. And I pulled out a couple of texts of Paul talking to Timothy. So let me uh, read those to you. It says, to Timothy, I encourage you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God imparted to you. Fan into flame. So whose responsibility is it? It's Timothy's. Carry in your heart the passion of your calling. That one hit me. And fulfill your ministry calling. We need to stir up that passion that God's given us for some of the things. And say, God, I need you to stir that passion up. The third thing says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance 
with the laying of hands by the elders. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that, you, so that your progress will be evident to all. And this is the sense I had, the other part, this exhortation I was feeling of just, for me and that, and just let's have that bigger vision for God. We know the things that we have, but I felt God like, okay, there's something bigger. This thing of being entrusted with more. It's like, God, how do I come into this entrusted with more? And that's kind of been in my heart and this whole thing of dreaming and hope and all that. And so this is, I said, not a, like a downer on it. I really feel God stirring us, saying, you know what, this is an incredible body. He's laid an amazing foundation. As Jack said, we can, we got we, people around us that we can trust. And I think he's really stirring us um, to come into that. So, yes, ladies are included. <laughs> um, but part of it is having a vision. Like when you think about, when you start, like let's say you want to go to gym now and you want to let's do, do some bodybuilding, you have to have that vision to go through the pain. You have to have the vision. Because if you don't have the vision, you're going to stop the very first week. But you know what it is, you get in the gym and you start pressing those weights and you want to quit. And then all you're sitting there pressing a little one pounder and you have a gorilla next to you and you feel really insecure. And he looks at you like, are oh, you done? You're like, yeah. <laughs> but unless we persevere, we're not going to grow. But we have to start with a vision and catching God's heart. So looking at this, what do we do? Because part of the question we always have is like, what should I do? And then prophetic people, you have a lot of vision for other people, but you never know what to do for yourself. So it's worse for me. I can tell a lot of people, oh, I see this, I see this, I see this. But when it comes to me, and ask my wife, well, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Encouraging, huh? Um, so what are some kind of keys that we can look at? And again, start with the small. What are some of the key prophetic themes that are over your life? Write them down. What are some of the themes that are coming through? You know, if you get a theme that says you're going to be a millionaire, you know what? Go to the sub-theme. How do I become a millionaire? I become a millionaire by giving, by serving, not letting money grab my heart. Because then God can then trust you with. But if we fixate on the other stuff, it says, don't chase after wealth. In Proverbs, a wealth will fly away. But we focus on the hot things that we can do that could allow that to happen and not get fixated on that piece because we're allowing God to open it in His time. But if you're told you're going to be rich, practice giving out of your nothing because it means your heart is not entangled with money. We have a good friend of ours down in um, Crete. Very, very wealthy man. But he was a very humble man when he started. Him and his wife, they gave, somebody was struggling, they gave, they finally even gave their wedding ring or something like that to help fund something. But he's, in, was, he's incredibly wealthy today, but he is such a humble, giving person. I don't think I met someone quite like him. But he started there 
by this absolute humility. Money had no, has no hold in him. You know, David and I know him. Um, where do you see fruit? Where do people say, I see fruit when, in your life? You know, what is that thing that kind of makes things happen? That, that you're kind of good at? What's the thing that's the passion in your heart? God gives us the passions of our heart. Um, but it needs to stretch us. It can't just be, I'm cruising. I'm there. Because then it's, it's, the vision's too small. Um, yeah, so it, it's, don't get locked up in, I have to go to change the world. Well, I'm called to be the, this greatest evangelist. If you, let's say you're feeling called to be an evangelist, go on the street corner and start talking to people. Let God develop that. It doesn't have to be massive. But you know what? As you talk to one, as you talk to two, you start getting excited. The river starts opening. You're like, whoo! You know, you start seeing it happening. I remember the first time I was uh, pressured to get a word of knowledge. My biggest fear was that somebody was going to come up and I had to pray for them. I'd never seen somebody healed. And I released this word. The person did come up. And I'm like, oh, God, help me. But we've got to be in those awkward situations. And I prayed for him, and he said he's healed. I didn't believe him. I prayed for him three times. <laughs> and then I finally was convinced he actually was healed. But then the party starts. Because then next week, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try this again. It actually does something. But it takes that faith to step out. So find those things where you feel you should invest a bit more of your time in. So let's... Um, Oh, that horrible word, faith and endurance. <laughs> and this is, when we look at the life of Abraham, you know, Abraham has such, so many keys for us. So let's read this scripture, which kind of makes me nervous. It says, in hope against hope, he believed. Sometimes God has called us to such big things where we need hope against hope. But it doesn't mean it's not wrong. It just means we need a lot of hope in the hope. And I feel God has got a call on some of us in this church that's going to need hope in hope to get there. To get see 50 churches and 50 cities, going to need hope against hope. With Christian now heading off to Pasadena, he's going to need a lot of hope. It's exciting now. I've got the word. God's spoken. I'm going well, when he hits the ground, he's going to need some hope. Hope's going to sustain him until something gets birthed. Um, without becoming, according to that which had been spoken. Yes. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead. It doesn't mean when we look at ourselves and say, I have no capacity to do this. Well, the whole Bible is filled with people with no capacity to do anything. I mean, Gideon, and we just name the whole crew. But you know what? God likes to use the weak. So don't discount yourself when you think, this is too big for me. God likes weak people, because then we have to rely on him. I mean, Gideon was excited when he had 10,000 people, and then finally when God said, well, you got 300, I'm sure he was slightly deflated at that point. But God wanted to trust in him. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to 
perform. Yeah, so this whole thing, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Some people are just born awesome. And that's what, that's Christian's baby picture from his parents. <laughs> For the rest of us, it's not that easy. And it's also, it's a journey. Sometimes we feel like a baby and we've got to do those things and we, you know, we don't get there instantly. You look at Abraham and sometimes we think, oh my goodness, I've made a mistake. Makes me check the time. I've made a mistake. And look at Abraham. He made mistake after mistake. He gave his wife away. But you know what? We can make a mistake and then still get up because it's part of the learning. But he had the bigger vision. And we're the same. We can, we can make mistakes. We can go down a wrong road. But you know, in God, we can say, God, wow, <laughs> that, was a, that was a doozy. I, I need you to help me find my way again. And God, God is there. And even when with um, Abraham and Lot, Abraham trusted God and said, okay, Lot, you choose. And Lot chose the rosy place and left Abraham the not so great place. But you know what? Abraham wasn't holding on to things that weren't God's. He was like, okay, I will trust God to take the not so great land. But you see the blessing following Abraham, because Abraham's heart was following after God and was not holding on to things. His thing was to always serve God and to be faithful to his word. And then we've got to press into the journey, because don't we wish we could get there like in a day? I mean, I, I like to get there quickly, but part of this is that journey. You know, he said, Abraham, head out. He's like, head out where? Or just head out. You know, you get that picture. You know, we're going to go out there and establish something, but we have to start the journey. The other piece is, you know, sometimes we might have slipped up a bit. You know, like we kind of got off the rails a bit. But you know what? At that point, we don't get like totally fixed on the big vision again. Spend some time in the basics. Loving God, spend time in His Word, have people pray for you, just enjoy being in His presence, pray a lot. Get that river flowing, you know, unblock that well, you know, unblock that stream. Let, let it start flowing again where we've had wrong thoughts. You know, throw those things out, you know, we don't want them. Let that river start flowing again and then start dreaming again. It's never, and it's never too late to always go back to basics. Those basics mean different things at different seasons in our life. Like a basic for me might be different to a basic from somebody who's just started. And that could also be, a, we can go through a season or even a, like in a week where if, let's say you're struggling with something or you've allowed some wrong thoughts in and when I finally wake up, I realize, you know what, I need to spend some time with God. I need to clear myself out. And I will go, for, will, that, that's a lot of time of the week, you'll see me, I'll go out for a lot of walks and I'll just be talking with God and saying, you know what, I don't want to carry that offense. And sometimes you've got to say, you know what, even if I think what was done was wrong, when we have an offended heart, it makes it so much worse. And it makes it really, really cloudy. And when we actually unblock ourselves, what we thought was such a serious issue, in God's eyes, it just... And then you feel, that is so embarrassing. 
I nearly flipped out, or maybe I did flip out, or said the wrong thing, and it really wasn't that big a deal. And that's where we draw on God's grace and say, you know what, God, I don't want to have that kind of heart because it, it can really impact the journey. The last point there, without pain, there is no, what's the other term? No pain, no gain, yes. What happens when you go to the gym? How does muscle grow? It grows by tearing. And sometimes we, we're scared of the pain, but if we don't allow that muscle to grow, and we have some of that pain, it's going to stay exactly the same. But we need encouragement. We have a joke in our family. I'll come home from the gym like, babe, just feel it. Has it grown? Has it grown? You know? Um, we need each other to keep you know, the vision. And she's awesome, babe. But we need that from each other. I see you. Go after that. Yep, I see you. God's got a gift of healing on you. Go for it. Press in. Spend time. Step out. Or, yes, I see God's got a gift on you for serving the, the, the poor and the lost. Yep, start that, 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 that home for, for the broken. Start that. Yes. Okay, we, I know there's no money, but we're going to stand with you and believe that money. As you make those steps, money's going to come from somewhere. And we're going to start, you know, building and painting and adding rooms and suddenly people are going to come and they're going to start getting help. But until we, we do those hard things and step in faith, we're not going to maybe see that established. And that's, for, and that's the stirring I'm feeling from God is that there's a lot of things now that the foundation's there that God wants us to t- take our eyes off others and put our eyes onto Him and say, God, what do you want me to do to birth so that this can be established and not maybe wait for somebody else. And that's the, whole, that's the hard part of hope because we want other people to rather do it. Or it's easier if somebody else does it and I can go along with it because we have, we have to deal with our own stuff. And we might not be the bravest people, but God might have called you to establish something amazing. And that's where we have to say, God, what is that hope and that vision you're stirring? And I think sometimes we hear it, but we're a bit nervous to step into it. And I really feel God's encouragement and say, hey, let's press in. Let's hear those things that God wants to do that go from being a spring that opens up this amazing river that transforms a city. We're seeing maybe homes open, the poor being fed, or whatever it is. We're seeing people healed on the streets. We're seeing crutches in the basement because everybody comes in wheelchairs, leaves their wheelchair behind. You know what I mean? But we have to have that vision to say, I'm going to press in for that. Yep, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because we can't do this in our own strength. It's really intimidating in our own strength. So let's read through this scripture here, Romans four eighteen to 22. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on... Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. If if he didn't have the joy of what was going to be established at the cross and what the cross was going to mean for us, that's what the joy was. 
And because of that joy and the vision, Jesus was able to go and say, God, not your will, not my will, but your will be done, because he knew the vision and the hope and what it was going to bring. And that's kind of what we have to grab onto. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who has endured such hostility, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that who? Us. So Jesus has actually gone before us with this faith and this joy so that we will not grow weary and lose heart with this coming into this greater call, this greater things of God. And that's um, the key is really fixing our eyes on Jesus daily because this is bigger than who we are. And we look at those original slides. It is bigger than who we are. But in Jesus, it's all very doable. And as David said, it gets exciting once you actually start walking into it. Finally. We have all been called and commissioned. So it's not just a couple of people. We all have been called and commissioned. And it's God's idea. It's not our idea. We didn't say, hey God, I want to go do all this stuff. It's God's idea. He's called us. He's equipped us. He said, you know what? The Holy Spirit is with you. As I've done, you go do it. And this is the thing. Let's press in together for that greater level of breakthrough. Let's encourage each other in those visions and dreams. Let's, let's stir them up. Let's spend time. Um, for example, like I have a, one of my desires is to go after healing and the prophetic. But part of where I feel God's calling me more, part of that is, is being in his presence more. Because, you know, you can't go, wow, you know, healing just happens on someone. We don't control healing in the sense of like, you know, Spider-Man. It, it's really us co-laboring with the Holy Spirit. So we, we minister healing out of relationship and intimacy, understanding his heart, and knowing the heart of the Father, we then come and we, we pray. But the only way I know the heart of the Father, and the, as Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. We want that measure of that Holy Spirit to be, to be nice and thick. You know what I mean? So when we come and minister, we're ministering out of that, out of this spring, this gushing over onto people. And so part of my thing is, is I need to spend more time. You know, put aside those distractions of like we get on from work and you're tired and you want to do something. It's like, no, I, I need to prioritize some stuff so that I can come into that next level. Okay, I've seen some healings, but I want to see more healings. Not for my glory, because it says, when, you, when Jesus said, when the people are healed, it glorifies him. Go read in John. It says, when we heal, it glorifies the Father. And it brings, the, it brings his kingdom onto earth. And so part of my challenge, and so that's why it's like, some of this rubs me, is because um, I haven't done as well as I thought I was going to do uh, when I first started preparing. But the thing is, we don't give up. We want to get in for the journey. And so I want to encourage you, let's, but you know, if I do, and we, as I said, we don't get into works, like I spend more time, therefore more is going to happen. You know, we don't want to go down that road. 
But it's always this thing of just, you want to do it, I love relationship. And the reason why I want to see people healed is not because it's spectacular, because that's God's heart. God is compassionate towards people. He doesn't want to see a people who are broken and hurt. He wants to see us, wants to see a people that are restored. And Jesus said um, in you know, John 3, 16, uh, John 3.16, he says, I came, you know, to um, see people saved. And that saved is a sozo. It says, saved, healed, and delivered. He didn't come to judge, but he came to restore people. So this is God's idea. And so we're trying to catch God's heart. And whatever that call is, God said, and we look at the Proverbs, it's good to give to the poor. We're good to serve the poor. That is God's heart. It's not a, just a good idea. And let's come alongside God and catch his heart for that. Again, not, let's not get hung up on the daily stuff. Let's not carry offense. Um, trust for the more. Be faithful in the small. And let's just keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. Whenever we think it's too big, we turn our eyes back to him. Cool. So that's what I have. Krishna, me hand back. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more podcasts at churchinthecity.us.